1: Today on Off-Tackle Empire, Illinois and Purdue limp into what was going to be a college game day special and has instead been relegated to ESPN2 at noon Eastern. No word on Beth Moen's availability for the game. And also other stuff happens this week on Off-Tackle Empire. Your source for big game talk, it's Off-Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Topple Empire. We come to you, of course, from the early stages of Sad Fall, which is immediately after Daylight Savings Time and Fun Fall, the fall that everybody loves. Um, and we are now getting down to business in the Big Ten title races here. A bunch of teams are playing for various things. Uh... Northwestern's the only team eliminated from bowl eligibility right now
2: in the entire Big Ten. Yeah, and we say that even with the qualification that the five-win thing is gonna get teams plenty of shots they didn't used to have at bowls they shouldn't be in. That's not gonna be on the table for Northwestern, not even in a best case scenario. So as as Steve mentioned, and I of course am Andrew Kruszewski, your contributor slash uh introducee usually, uh We are now in sad fall, which is to say, all of the daylight is gone, all of the pretty leaves are gone, now is the part where it's too cold to be outside, so you just sit on your couch and eat an entire turkey every day. God bless America.
1: Literally the reason that I scrambled to find a half marathon to run was because I was close enough to half marathon shape, and if I waited till that one in Champagne in April that I want to run... I have no idea how fat I'm about to get. I have no idea if I'm about to gain 30 pounds over winter, just sad eating at 4.30 p.m. and it's pitch blackout.
2: <laughs> I had dinner five hours ago, but I'm not even close to bedtime yet. I'm getting hungry again. What the hell? Yeah, that, that that's... It's, uh, it's, it's far from ideal, folks. It's not ideal, but it, it's not going to drive a dagger into the heart of our fitness, we don't think. So... Let's get to the week that will be here in week 11 of the college football season. A string of games. I do not have these arranged in chronological order. So we may be going a little bit against the clock here. We'll begin... Sparkers With Rutgers at Michigan State. Uh, this has to be a win for Michigan State. Has to be. Last week was a big get-off-the-mat moment for this team especially in the context of this season we'll see big picture what it ends up meaning but they have now moved their record to 4 and 5 uh have games this week against Rutgers next week against Indiana both at home against two teams that they really ought to beat Rutgers honestly feels like the more dangerous opponent right now because of what we saw from them last week reminding us that Greg Schiano knows how to coach up incredibly disruptive special teams, and their defense is good enough to muck you up if you're not sharp and executing well. Yeah, and it feels like
1: Indiana's got a lot more give up in them right
2: now. I would think so, and that's still such a weird situation with how they're playing their quarterback room. We'll see how they choose to handle that after also playing Ohio State. The offense just has not been anything like what they, I think, expected it to be. No... But so if we're sticking with Indiana here, I mean, the question really becomes they brought in a transfer quarterback and a whole bunch of transfer receivers and transfer running backs. Did they think it was all going to stick together in one year without addressing the actual real problem with their team, which is the offensive line? Like, it was kind of an unrealistic situation. But anyway, to get back to this game, you never will know week to week how many players MSU will have unavailable due to unreported injuries or other issues. They still have eight guys suspended. That's probably going to be an indefinite thing.
1: I I will address one thing. The the crowd in Champaign was very concerned about the welfare of the student-athletes. They Mm. were booing the strength and conditioning staff for Michigan State for failing to do right by these kids.
2: Right. You're not like Iowa, that's for sure. So... (laughs) In any case, Rutgers is not an offense that has looked functional against any decent opponent. Gavin Wimsett has the physical tools, but certainly does not look like a polished quarterback yet, and their weapons are, you know, limited at best. So if there is an opportunity for Rutgers to win this game, what does it look like? Well, it probably looks like a big play or two in the special teams, as we mentioned. Now, that being said, Michigan State's kicking woes have been so terrible that, honestly... I would defy you to present to me a game script where I would not be comfortable saying, yeah, they don't need to kick from any situation. Like, unless it's like a 10 seconds left, you're set up for a 12-yard field goal, you're down two points, MSU should probably not be attempting any field goals in this game. I wouldn't mind if they went for two after a decent portion of their touchdowns. That's what they've gotten to with this kicking game. It's inconsistency from the kickers. It's injury from the kickers. It's an injured long snapper and a backup who's not looked ready for the roll. No part of that kicking game works. Well, Now, we're having just regular amounts of wind in the Midwest for November, right? As far as I know, I (laughs) believe the forecast is... No, it's, I think, Friday night, the weather is supposed to turn colder. Yes. Highs, Highs in the low 40s across most of the footprint. After being warmer than you would usually see this time of year. So... Actually, yeah, Friday Friday and Champaign is going to get into the 70s and then a high of 35 on Saturday. Yeah, as far as I know, nothing especially abnormal with the wind. I believe it's supposed to be dry. Probably works in Michigan State's favor because, again, their best game scripts all involve throwing the ball pretty heavily. They will need Peyton Thorne to be at least as good as he was last week, which is to say yeah, pretty good for the most part. If you're going to have the terrible mistake, have it just be the one and – Don't let it be two or three, which has happened multiple other times this year. So I would like Michigan State to win this game. Um, They have to, have to. Really the only acceptable outcome for the rest of the season is they get to a bowl. They have to win two of the remaining three games to do it. Again, it's Rutgers and Indiana at home and then Penn State Thanksgiving weekend.
1: But this is why I'm saying this is crunch time now because Rutgers also has to have (laughs) this game.
2: Yeah. This is a game that these two teams cannot afford to lose. Yeah. And so when I say has to be with for Michigan State, I, of course, come from, that, from the perspective of a Michigan State fan. It is the same situation for Rutgers. You have to look at Michigan State. It is exactly the same situation. As one of your more winnable situation, as one of your more winnable games left. Give us Rutgers' schedule if you happen to have it. Yeah,
1: well, it, it's very similar because both MSU and Rutgers play Penn State. Yep. Uh, Rutgers ends at Maryland. So Rutgers' schedule is a little bit... Rutgers, if anything... Rutgers' schedule is harder. They need this yeah. game
2: more. Because hosting Maryland or host, hosting Indiana is a much easier game than going to Maryland, even in November when you know the Terps high-flying offense more likely to run into some weather-related issues. The
1: loser has to beat Penn State, yeah, to much. make a bowl. That's that, Those are the stakes in this game. And again, uh, <laughs> this is maybe one of our one of our shittier matchups of the week. Certainly not the bottom of the barrel, which is of course in the goddamn three thirty spot. Because of course you gotta give. Those Minnesota people all the time to
2: very politely tailgate. Leo, I'm looking at the schedule, and we actually do not have any night games on the slate this week. Of course not. There were no
1: appealing matchups. There were certainly no rivalry trophy games with any implications of any kind
2: at all. Gotta fill up all of our broadcast obligations in the daylight before people fall asleep, presumably. So, other games in the noon slate. We also have Indiana going to Ohio State. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about it. There, there's come a point, I've, you notice certain cycles when you've been podcasting about the same conference for as long as we have, right? Something that I constantly keep coming back to is when I get to a game like this, the temptation to just write blood everywhere and have that be my entire summary. I tried to find more angles on this, ways in which Indiana might keep this game competitive. I really did. I just don't see anything, guys. How often do you see the likes of Ohio State look as shitty as they looked against Northwestern two weeks in a row? It rarely happens, and I think there's got to be some sense of urgency in the Ohio Ohio State locker room to get things together or we're going to get our shit pushed in by Michigan again. Like, is that an acceptable state of affairs in the Buckeye program? I think not. I mean,
1: I have no idea who even, like, you know, because I do believe there's a lot of conscious positioning for the Heisman going on. Um, if any of that shit matters, I mean, again, uh, I, I'm just gonna assume that Ohio State is not going to go all out to do everything they need to do to win the football game until Michigan because they won't
2: need to. Yeah, so what that ends up meaning then is they're probably going to adopt a more pass heavy script regardless of whether it's working or not. Maybe again, like the weather will turn cold. maybe that's a little bit of a change that they're not quite prepared for. It does make it harder to grip throw and catch the ball. When you I have, have a question, sure. there's nothing else
1: to talk about Indiana and Ohio State. Yeah, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. So here's a question that I was thinking about when I went through the uh, what the Packers have left at receiver. Would yeah. it, uh, How many of the Green Bay Packers wide receivers would, start, would would see the field for Ohio State in their current condition? Uh,
2: is Watson healthy?
1: Christian Watson? Yeah. It, no, it's not the first quarter of like the fifth game since he's last appeared. No. Uh, I certainly wouldn't say that a healthy Sammy Watkins at this stage in his career. No, I don't think...
2: No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, Lazard, maybe? Tunyon's a better tight end than anything Ohio State has there. I mean, That's but, true. But the structure of the Ohio State offense has mostly turned the tight ends into... A mobile fullback, like they don't actually line him up in the eye much, but they use him as to it,
1: Mercedes Lewis would also definitely start for
2: Ohio State. Yes, but he's, he's also, also
1: older than Ryan Day, I think.
2: Definitely, he's also well. Hold on, I, maybe not quite, but close, I'm, I'm close pretty sure, sure he's thirty nine. Pretty close enough that it's like, yeah, that it's. Uh, he's been in the
1: league longer than Aaron Rodgers. Yes, but uh, yeah, like it's hard to see. I mean, even I mean even before Romeo Dobbs got carted off. Um, I mean, Samari Torre, Juan
2: Winfrey, whoever the hell that is. He was the guy at Maryland a few years ago. So there's actually, you should probably play him more, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness gracious. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Nebraska at Michigan. Um, Blake Quorum is going to run for a zillion yards in this one. You, again, with Nebraska, there's always a chance that the talent they have can, like, you know, it's, it's like a shake of the Yahtzee dice, right? Like, maybe you just happen to roll boxcars? Is that what you do doing Yeah, I haven't played Yahtzee in a long time.
1: I really am surprised at the
2: extent to which the offense does not work without Casey Thompson. It is a little bit surprising, I suppose, especially considering he was new to the team. And the yeah, system. exactly. It's not like he's got that many more reps in this offense than the other two guys. He does have a lot more reps at quarterback overall. Like his, yes. his experience is vastly... Larger than what the rest of them are. I also haven't heard, like, what is his injury even? Is he expected back this year? It was a a hand. Okay,
1: so... he heard it it against Illinois. It looked like his his pinky finger got got bent on his throwing hand.
2: So, it's hard to say, right? Like, that could be anything from a minor sprain to a dislocation to to break. Like, there's really no telling. And it's more important than you would think to have... I mean, the pinky being the outside anchor of your grip is... Actually, important.
1: It's a, you it's ask any a, Texas fans; they will say that he's sitting out the rest of the season with an injured
2: pride. I guess. Not sure he... why they're still so mad about him. Well, I assume because he was a quarterback who didn't work out for them, uh, who then chose chose not to ride the bench as a much more talented underclassman took his job. But anyway, I don't know that there's much else. In the I mean. Maybe you keep an eye on the injuries for the Michigan offensive line, but they have excellent depth there. Guys who haven't played as much, but still they've recruited really well on the line. You would think they'd be okay if Keegan and Hayes are not able to go on the left side. It would probably make their running game pretty right-handed, but I don't think Nebraska's defense is going to be able to take advantage of that kind of thing. So it's not the worst time of the season to have a couple of minor injuries.
1: Yeah, I wanted to find something in here for Nebraska, but I just can't. Not not without not I mean not without Thompson. Again, I'm surprised to hear myself say that, but it, it it really has been jarring um you know, how they're not really able to do that much with Trey Palmer.
2: Yeah, because you would think he's the he's the type of athlete that you could get involved in with screens or swing passes or end arounds. That like there's you know, his best use is definitely chasing down a deep ball and you know, out jumping defensive backs. But...
1: Whoever it is that gets to start a start at quarterback in Nebraska is just going to have to do a better job keeping their eyes downfield, not staring at the pass
2: rush. That's the only way this is going to work, because they're going to be under pressure. Yeah, and it's, again, it. the defense has really been the story for Nebraska for me, but it is true, the offensive line really has not progressed to the extent that you would have hoped. And that's been part of the reason why, again, Thompson not able to stay healthy, and the offense has been inconsistent at best. So... I don't see much of an angle there for Nebraska to make this interesting. Yet another game hosted at Michigan Stadium. I think they had approximately 14 home games this year. So moving on, uh, we have Maryland at Penn State. Does you know? Can the Terps shake off their bad performance against Wisconsin last year? To, to play in what you described, but I think, correctly in the recap session as kind of the measuring stick game for where they really are and whether they've taken a meaningful step because they've been – They've been where they are so far this season before. Well, I phrased that clumsily. So they've been this bold team before. If they're going to be more than that, they have to be able to beat teams like Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. You're not going to beat them all in one year. That's not really expected. But you have to beat one of them at some point. Penn State's probably the most vulnerable one. Still a little bit of indecision there with their quarterback situation. So if you're going to beat them, this is probably the time. You've got the advantage at quarterback. You have somehow the deeper and better group of wide receivers despite how Penn State recruits. And the Nittany Lions run game has been a little bit suspect to stopping and starting, although I do think with and Allen kind of taking a lead role, they might have found something there. So there's also the question of, What does Penn State really have left to play for? Well, you know, the last couple of years, it's not like they've given up once they've been knocked out of the conference slate. Like, they've generally done well in keeping their players engaged. They can make their way to a New Year's Six Bowl if they win out, and they do have a pretty manageable schedule. Aside from that, though, I don't have a whole lot. I expect Penn State to win this game because, well, they always win this game. Unless I'm missing something. It feels
1: like this should be the closest that Maryland... Has gotten since those early Franklin teams?
2: Didn't uh, they have a couple? Didn't they have a one-score game against Penn State? Fairly? recently? They like, beat them. Yeah. All right. So, Randy Eds.
1: I'm pretty sure that Randy Edsel beat James Franklin one of those
2: years. I couldn't tell you one way or another. It's it's certainly possible. Okay. So we've talked about these a lot of games that basically are either one-sided or really of secondary concern to the conference picture. Now it is time at last. To fire all of the guns at once and explode into champagne. So, as with with as as much
1: as the Michigan State loss uh, let me down, not not in the least of which reason. Uh, uh, so for as much as the Michigan State loss did to dampen my confidence in many many aspects of the Illini, not to mention what it's going to do for our, our crowd size, which you know, we had the best crowd since 2016, it was like 12,000 more than the homecoming crowd, and we're going to get maybe half of that because, one, you know, Illinois, like, showed their entire ass, two, now it's an 11 a.m. local kickoff in freezing weather on ESPN2, um... So that's fantastic. I understand,
2: I understand they're just going to let Beth Mullins do the PA announcing, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do not take my Gene Honda away from me. Not <laughs> now, not ever. So, like I said, you know, I, I've... There's a lot of faith shaken in, their, in kind of the, the game management, I guess, uh, for, for Illinois. I do not really believe in their special teams at all. Um, Nor should I. It's unclear what their situation is at kicker. Obviously, kicking was a bit of an issue due to the wins, but even if not for the wins, there have been problems kicking the ball. Um, There have been problems returning kicks and punts. There have been problems punting. Um, And defense has been exploitable in some situations where the pass rush does not force the quarterback to stare at the pass rush, right? If quarterbacks can keep their eyes downfield, um, sometimes you can see a guy beat man, right? Because, you know, they, they play a lot of man, they play a lot of cover one, and, you know, Purdue in particular is probably going to have, is probably going to win some of those matchups. So, for as much as Illinois seems to have fallen flat on their face, look at the state of Purdue. I mean, yeah, you know, for for as much as Illinois seems to be proving that not all of the paradigms that we've just come to accept about Illinois have to necessarily be true all of the time, Purdue just smacked their head against a glass ceiling a couple weeks ago against Wisconsin. Yeah, and fell back to earth violently. So, I I and I really do believe there's there's some degree to which Illinois got caught looking ahead a little bit because. If they were going to spend a lot more time game planning for one of the two first November games, it would have to be Purdue. That's the most important game.
2: Yep, I don't disagree. It's a it's a it's a trophy game and It's a division uh, game when you're in a division division game, which would which would all but lock it up (laughs) for the Illini, of course. And it
1: would also unable to
2: clinch at home due to losing to Michigan State, but it would not have been the most unreasonable thing to conclude. I don't think coaches and players actually say this kind of thing. I just think it's Perhaps sometimes how they end up behaving. It would not have been the most unreasonable thing to conclude. Michigan State just got embarrassed by Michigan, then had a terrible off field incident. They're in a little bit of a spiral. They are not going to be up to play us. We're okay putting a little bit more attention on the next week's opponent than we normally would.
1: Look, it is not as bad as the time that John Gross lost in the NCAA tournament to a Michigan team that just got in a plane crash. It is not that bad.
2: That was the Big Ten tournament.
1: Big Ten tournament, yes. (laughs) Big Ten tournament. No, yeah, John Gross, the NCAA tournament with Illinois. Yeah, no, that was just the one time.
2: Still fairly sure John Beeline engineered that crash, by the way. But anyway, um, there are conspiracy theories, and then there are theories that just make sense. Okay, get with it, sheeple. So, you know, of course, Illinois losing to Michigan State
1: uh, lit the fires for a lot of Big Ten West fan bases who, who have an awful lot of hope all of a sudden just because... Illinois cannot mathematically clinch it, to which I submit to you, which Big Ten West game are they going to lose? Because if not this one, then it would have to be Northwestern. And sure, Northwestern has looked feisty, um, but it feels kind of like it would be a really enormous turnaround. It would be very out of character for what Brett Bielema has done, uh, especially for what they did game planning and coaching against Northwestern last year them to lose that one
2: yeah well so this game and the iowa wisconsin game tremendous implications for how the big 10 west race shakes out the last couple weeks one look at the standings will tell you that so illinois at four and two in conference and then a gaggle of four teams behind them all at three and three that would be iowa wisconsin purdue and minnesota minnesota gets northwestern this week so you can Probably go ahead and bump them up to four and three. Not so fast, my friend. The Nebraska tax
1: still has to be paid. (laughs) Okay. Have have you been following the Nebraska tax?
2: Yes, I am aware that for at least a portion of the season, every team that beat Nebraska lost the game immediately following it. Yes, I am aware of that.
1: No, it has been 100% accurate. Every single team to beat Nebraska has lost their next game.
0: Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh,
1: in the case of Illinois, they were favored by 17. Um, hmm. Oklahoma, let's see, what was their deal? Was that when they got blasted by Texas the next week? Yeah. No, no, that was, or that or was K-State. K-State. They, yeah. were, they were favorites. Um, so, yeah, the Nebraska tax does not discriminate.
2: Here's a question for you. Who does Illinois play next week? Michigan. Who does Michigan play this week? Nebraska. Heard it right here first, folks. Uh, all right, so anyway, to get all the way back to Illinois, Purdue. Again, both of these teams in very similar position, right? A win puts them right back in a dominant position. Although for Purdue, you've got a real problem here because regardless of who wins the Iowa Wisconsin game, they got a head to head win over you. So Illinois with a win puts themselves in dominant position. By virtue of the wins they've collected in the division on the field as you mentioned you know this is a purdue defense that has suddenly turned forget into a pumpkin they've turned into the like the rotting gourd at the bottom of the bin that doesn't get picked for halloween against iowa and wisconsin neither of which has run the ball as consistently as illinois now Illinois' offensive has not been explosive But if you want to talk about game flow and preferred method of approaching offense, this matchup seems to set up pretty favorably for Illinois, at least when they have the ball. Now when Purdue has the ball, as you mentioned, it's going to be up to Newton and Randolph to get consistent pass rush that they didn't really against Michigan State, which surprised me because I've been down on Michigan State's offensive line for a long time. (laughs) Another thing that was not mentioned once in the broadcast between Michigan State and Illinois, Jared Horst didn't play. They're starting left tackle, their well, best offensive you, lineman, didn't play. And i have been calling for consequences forever, and I got my wish, and the replacement was all right. Brandon Baldwin was all right. I, I kept waiting for the personal foul
1: to come. Every time I heard a Michigan State personal foul, I was like, ah, it's Bojack
2: Horstman! Yeah. No, he, was, he didn't play, and I don't know if he's hurt or if he's just finally facing some consequences for his inability to not commit personal fouls. But either way... The thing is, it is certainly possible
1: for the winner of Iowa-Wisconsin <clears throat> to win out both play Minnesota and Nebraska because the, the scheduling was very cheeky this year with the whole quadrangle going, at, going yeah. uh, against each other uh-huh. in the last few weeks. Of Remember, course- though,
2: the Nebraska tax means that Iowa will lose whatever bowl game they get to, but they don't have to pay the tax in the regular season. They're able to defer that tax until the postseason because they play Nebraska at the end of the year. Ah, this is true. <laughs> so,
1: with an Illinois win, um, Northwestern is eliminated no matter what they do, the loser of Iowa and Wisconsin is also eliminated. Right.
2: And then there are many other scenarios depending on whether Minnesota wins or loses. But again, remember...
1: Because Illinois
2: has head-to-head wins over Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa.
1: And so collecting one over Purdue will put them in extremely strong position, even with one surefire
2: loss on their calendar. Yeah, because if you end up tied with any of the other contenders, you have the head-to-head to fall back on. So it's a good position to be in. Absolutely huge game for the Illinois program. I really have confidence in it. I think that it would be a
1: good time to, in addition to taking the points, maybe see if you really have to. It's time to unleash Tommy DeVito. The kid can throw the ball. Uh, We're not supposed to have gale force wins. And, you know, this is when they've really needed him to. He's stepped up. He's gotten, you know, first downs, running the ball. Uh, earlier in the season, they had him doing a lot more. Uh, I think this is the time to unleash big time Tommy.
2: I'm not even. I'm not even doing a bit here. I really no. think that yeah. would be a, a a prudent strategy in this game. Man, I'm just looking at some of these stats for the Big Ten West. How many teams would you guess have a positive point differential right now? Uh, two. We have a winner. Can you guess Illinois which? Illinois and Minnesota? Yeah. Minnesota's a plus 15. Illinois is a plus 45. Yeah, because Il- Illinois has two one-score losses and some blowouts. Yeah. Iowa's a minus two. Wisconsin's also a minus two, but with way more points in both So basically directions. what you're saying is <laughs> Illinois and Minnesota did not play Ohio State. Correct. Or Michigan yet. Um, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so... We'll go ahead, let's go ahead and pivot to that game. And since we've mentioned a number of times, Iowa and Wisconsin, teams that are kind of finding themselves in similar position here. Offensive ineptitude, and albeit in kind of different ways. I mean, Iowa really put on a much more thorough clinic of how bad you can be at offense. Wisconsin was just sort of your typical really bad Big Ten West offense. You know, here's an interesting thing. Obviously...
1: The narrative is, Jim Leonard has turned this Wisconsin team
2: around. Is that the narrative? Because he lost to Michigan State this year. Well, yes, but that was just the first game. Now they're winning games. I thought it was his second. Didn't he have a game? Oh, he played Northwestern. He had Northwestern before that. Nice warm-up. So his first real game. Yeah. Right. But
1: the games for which Paul Chris got fired were, you know, a reasonably even
2: loss to a decent Wazoo team. Right? I mean... Yeah, well, so, all right, I don't, I would disagree with the assessment that he got fired because of a particular result this year. Right, no. I, this I, was a big picture thing, but I get what you mean.
1: But do you also get where I'm going with this? Because, yeah. you know, an Illinois team that was better than people realized at the time, and an Ohio State team that was just on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, I submit to you that the Wisconsin results might not be any different in terms of the games they win or lose if they do not fire Paul Christ.
2: Um, it's entirely possible, yeah. And that's why, again, I think you get back to the Chris decision really being a big picture thing. I think the, what the Ohio State game told McIntosh and the others in the administration was, if you think about what our games against Ohio State looked like a few years ago, we weren't winning, but we sure made it look a little closer. In fact, we made it look a lot closer. In fact, the gap between us and Ohio State is way larger than it was a couple years ago. I think that's what that ended up being. And that's the Ohio State game, I think, was the inflection point there. But anyway, um, so coming back to this game, two teams that have really struggled on offense may have found something, I think kind of by integrating new people. Wisconsin's offense has seemed better to me since they got Garendo involved in their running back group. It's not like their passing game has been consistently good. They've had their up moments, but last week, again, five completions and a win. Well, yeah, and for Graham Mertz, I mean, he's basically lucky
1: that Northwestern and Spencer Petrus are around because he'd absolutely be this conference's meme quarterback if not, uh, of course, the reason I say that he's this conference's meme quarterback is because the only game that Art Sitkowski's played in, he beat Iowa, right? (laughs)
2: So, and then for I Iowa, don't want to hear that shit from Iowa. <laughs> he lost to Art Sitkowski with the best defense in the country. Yeah, and then for Iowa, adding Caleb Johnson to the picture, we'll see if it's anything approaching sustainable, but, you know, the performance that he had doesn't feel especially like a one-off. So, we'll see which of these offenses is more real in this newfound success they've found in getting back to the ground.
1: The Iowa defense remains... Legitimate. Wisconsin, as a program, it is still hard to know what they are versus what you traditionally think Wisconsin's going to be. They're obviously nowhere near this good on defense. They are exploitable, but I do not know if... I do not think Iowa can exploit their vulnerabilities
2: on the back end. Northwestern's only given up 11 more points on the season than Wisconsin has. Well, they did play Ohio State. Sure. Uh, In terms of other angles on this game, again... The one thing you just got to keep in mind here is, of course, a program programs from the upper Midwest would not think to extend an open invitation to somebody else to join the party as a way to make things better. But here you are. You invite Gurendo and Johnson over, and look at that. Everybody's having a better time. Why don't you go make more friends? You don't have to just hang out with your family for the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> and Plains weirdos. Both teams 5-4. and four, Winner makes a bowl game. Can I just say how disappointed I am in the rest of you Big Ten, West? Did you not get the memo that we were freezing Iowa out of a bowl this year? (laughs) Like, man, either of these programs missing a bowl would have been really funny.
2: Yeah. Difficult to imagine at this point, but look, still a lot of games left with other quality opponents. in, And also Nebraska. And also Nebraska. (laughs) um, Northwestern at Minnesota. Again, the Wildcats probably threw their best effort of the season against Ohio State, but it felt as much like that was about OSU's stubbornness in light of the wind as it was anything Northwestern was doing. Their game plan on offense was smarter for those conditions. They threw the ball way fewer times. And as a result, kept the game closer than it should have been. It's, it might have kind of a similar feel here because Minnesota's not going to throw the ball of their own accord. The difference is they're used to that game script, and that's where they want to live. So if Mo Ibrahim's only getting four yards a carry, that suits them just fine. They don't really need a whole lot more than that, because their defense is still good enough that I wouldn't expect Northwestern to clear two scores.
1: Well, their defense is good enough, and Northwestern's offense remains a mess, I have no idea what they're going to do if this Wildcat thing was a one-off because of the weather conditions, or if they're just going to start uh, just throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks.
2: They've gone to it at times in the past. You may remember a few years ago, Cam Porter ran it to considerable effect. Um, but as it's, you can't, I don't think you can build the entire offense out of it, right? It's kind of like, kind of like the black box in a plane, like why? Wouldn't you build it, because it wouldn't fly. So that's why you can't build an entire offense out of the wildcat. I mean, the Dolphins had Ronnie Brown running it, and they couldn't make it work for all that long. That was a wild time in the NFL, though. 2008. Um, yeah. The quarterback choice for Minnesota could be up in the air. Again, we're here early in the week, so I don't know if Tanner Morgan's going to be available. It would also become a question of do you go to him? You're still in a division race. You do need to prepare for the future at quarterback at some point. And Kelly showed something last week that he would not be a total disaster. But I have to think you're still prioritizing that first division title, that first trip to Indianapolis. And probably, given the way Fleck has... The way that I think Fleck would approach this, probably still going to view Morgan as the guy most likely to get you there.
1: Well, here's the thing. Minnesota's path, if they continue to start Tanner Morgan their path to winning out is pretty clear because none of the opposing quarterbacks on the schedule are older than him.
2: Casey
1: Thompson missed the Nebraska game. Nebraska had that dead to rights. They just needed to get Casey Thompson out there just... In a club on his throwing hand, <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't. need to do much. He just needs to get out there, right? He, there just, he just needs to be you know. Willis Reed in the finals. <laughs> he just got a, a, you know, a migraine blind Terrell Davis in the Super Bowl. Well, if they if you're not out there, Tanner
2: Morgan's not going to understand how young he still is. <laughs> He's not gonna, the moment's not going to be too big for twenty eight year old Tanner Morgan. Yeah, so, uh, all right, that brings us to the end of the week that we'll be in the conference. A quick turn around the rest of the country. We'll do a quick spotlight on our friends in the MAC. We have a battle for control of the West as very surprising Ball State visits the Glass Bowl. Uh, A game back of Toledo for the lead in that division. In the East, a three-way tie between Ohio, Buffalo, and Bowling Green. All of them are playing lesser opponents. You're probably going to see one of those teams lose, but to be honest with you, I could not say who. Um, Anything... In that slate that caught your attention,
1: man, the loss of DaQuan Finn has been crushing for Toledo. Yeah. Uh, they were absolutely, in my opinion, going to cruise to the MAC title. Would have been easy. Yep. Um, it, Blaine Gabbert, not Blaine. Brett Gabbert is healthy for Miami again. Blurt, Brett,
2: yeah, whatever. Blurt, Blabber. Um, blurt, blabber.
1: I don't know. The, the, the MAC is is. I mean, Northern Illinois has gone through so many
2: quarterbacks this year. Yeah. In a normal season, I would have recommended that the Ball State-Toledo game be our max field trip of the year. Toledo really
1: d- sucks, dude. Ypsilanti yeah. is probably a better city to visit than Toledo. Well, I have tried. Places. I have been stuck at that place because of that Jeep plant. <laughs> I've been stuck there at inopportune times on Friday nights and Saturday mornings and tried <laughs> to make something of the opportunity, and there's just nothing. There's just nothing until Like, I... I, I I like stopping at various little towns on my way from Champaign to Detroit. Like, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not the kind of person who would default to shitting on a Rust Belt city. I would but play. I have tried with Toledo
2: <laughs> so many times, and it is just just nothing there. I'd make a half-hearted pitch for the zoo, but again, as an accompanying event to a football game, it wouldn't exactly make sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand. Um... Anyway, plenty of interesting matchups already underway by the time you hear this, as we're now on regular Tuesday-Wednesday games in the MAC. Elsewhere in the country, Washington-Oregon, perhaps a little bit less interesting now that the Pac-12 North is not a thing anymore, but still probably the best game out there. Everyone giving UConn energy for their matchup with Liberty-Biberty, a notion that's probably about as effective as the Spirit Bomb ever actually
1: was. So... I want to revisit Oregon at Washington. Do you know who the two most accurate passers in the country are?
2: I do, but only because I saw your tweet.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's Bo Nix and Tommy DeVito. Imagine <laughs> telling that to Auburn and Syracuse fans last year.
2: <laughs> that those are the two. Bo Nix leads the country 74% completion percentage. I think you would have been... Re- DeVito's about 72. You would have been chided for not passing the blunt in appropriate speed. So, Well, yeah,
1: well, they got yeah. It's not the blunt... It's Toledo
2: Stadium, the glass bowl. <laughs> right. A game that lost a little bit of its shine after Alabama's loss to LSU as they go to Ole Miss. Uh, but other more interesting games, frankly, UCF at Tulane in what's basically a New Year's 6 elimination game in the American. Um, uh, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to hear that shit. Texas is playing somebody. Well, I mean, they are, but... Well, oh, yeah, why,
1: why why is why are we talking about anything else? That's obviously the game we need to talk about, right? Okay, let's talk
2: about how the horn frogs are going to whip that Longhorn ass, then.
1: Well, I'm just saying, you know, we're a national college football media thing, so of course, all we can really do is talk about Texas. It doesn't particularly matter that Tulane
2: has the inside track to the Sugar Bowl now, it does it? God, that would be so awesome. I just I want to keep saying that until they pick up a second loss somewhere. There's only a few weeks left. You what needs run. to happen? LSU needs to pick up a loss, play
1: Tulane in the Sugar Bowl for the Tiger Rag.
2: Oh my God, that would be awesome. That Like, yeah, I might skip Illinois' bowl game to go to that. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to justify scampering to New Orleans for New Year's with a month-old baby in the house. But, um, God, I would regret missing that. And then finally, UNC at Woke Forest in a 2021 ACC throwback. Really... The two teams that are best in they're continuing to partake of the live moss lifestyle that was twenty twenty one ACC football. Is there any
1: funnier team to eliminate Texas A and M from bowl contention this year than the Auburn Tigers?
2: I saw that Texas A and M is an underdog to Auburn, <laughs> or at least they were when the line opened.
1: Oh my!
2: Well then. <laughs> I do wish they would hurry up and get that over with so that the oilmen who are keeping gas prices artificially high, having made the money to fire Jimbo Fisher, would finally let their boots off of our collective necks a little bit here. Yeah, it's like, you know,
1: you, you know when you fill up that some of that money is going to go to some five-star recruit to, uh, no, no, a starting cornerback who will then film himself speeding at <laughs> 60 Five miles an hour through the a goddamn parking, gra- parking garage? <laughs> and then smoke with his
2: supercharger on a jeep wrangler for some reason and then smoke weed in the locker room (laughs) i dare you to throw me off i already got paid i kind of respect the hustle to be honest um and look that's the risk you run if you're gonna pay kids who you don't know aren't complete head cases all right so anything else in the national college football landscape that caught your attention partner absolutely not
1: i'm i'm i just keep looking at these uh these Illinois Bowl projections, it's very funny that they've got January 2nd games projected, one of which is against
2: Alabama, one of which is against Florida. These are vastly different games. Florida, you'd be fine. Alabama, I would advise you to just get blackout drunk before it starts. That's been my Alabama Bowl experience, so. Uh, yeah, the, the I mean, the discourse...
1: Would be tremendous, but obviously, I've already outlined the the, the funniest way for Illinois' season to end. And um, I, I'll admit it, I wouldn't. Your source for big talk. It's off Tackle Empire.